Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you on this Friday, September the 2nd, 2022. Praise be to God. It is first Friday, which means tomorrow's first Saturday. And you have options and opportunities in devotion. Remember to make reparation for the grave sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady and the most sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Go to confession. Go to Mass. What an opportunity you have with your family. So uh, make plans for that. But hey, today we're going to be talking with Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life about the upcoming National Day of Remembrance. I think that's coming up on the 10th of this month, so next week. And we're going to talk about what that means, why we should do that. And there's been a couple of uh, stories that I've seen recently. They're not new, but nonetheless, they are archaeological finds, one in Peru, one in Israel, of uh, you know babies, children being offered as human sacrifices. It's kind of not new, only we're just doing it on a scale that the pagans wish they could have, you know, because... We, we, we outpace them by millions of children. At any rate, we're going to have that conversation with Father Frank Pavone. Coming up at 15 past the hour, did you catch Biden's speech last night? I mean, the optics alone. Like, who exactly is in charge of the look and the feel of his speeches? Because that person, I, like, they did not think that through. And we're going to have a conversation about the further dividing of America. Why we are the only options we have is the right hates the left and left hates the right. Why is this? Uh, we're going to have that conversation coming up at 15 past the hour. Dave Palmer is going to be our guest coming up at the top of the next hour, host of Back to the Father. And he wants to talk about something cheerful and fun on a Friday, the end times and the coming <laughs> chastisement. It's <laughs> nothing but good stuff today. Speaking of good stuff, Colorado has uh, basically locked out 22,000 customers, locking out their thermostats in their home, preventing them from cooling their house below 78 degrees. You are not allowed. Stop it. I mean, could you could you imagine? You're not allowed to choose the temperature of your own home. Well, that was a thing yesterday for 22,000 people. Hey, over 50 Biden administration employees covering 12 U.S. agencies have all been involved in making sure that you're not allowed to say certain things on social media. We're going to cover that story today, too. Hey, a New Orleans archbishop has announced Wednesday that an 83-year-old Louisiana nun that was captured by a group of gunmen while working in West Africa, has been found alive. Praise be to God, that is good news on this Friday. And according to reports, the largest children's hospital in the city of Chicago, Lori Children's Hospital, has created partnerships with local school districts to promote radical gender theory, kink, BDSM, and trans-friendly sex toys for children. Yeah, that's the world we live in. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Come on, Joe. You can't follow that mm-hmm. with, good morning, Rudy. Good what am morning, I supposed to say to Rudy? that? I, I don't know. What's on your mind? <sighs> what, like, what, are you, what, what stories are you tracking? What puppy dog stories well, are you following today? You know, despite our government na- labeling us it's, as extremists and trying to divide all. us, I keep thinking about this really uh, popular video of the comedian Steve mm-hmm. Allen, oh. who was talking about hippies. Yeah, And he was discussing how he created this term for hippies, and um, he was using it as a derogatory term. But in the end, he kind of he kind of intimates that there's some sort of common ground there. And I just, there? I, I'm tired of being an extremist. I want to have you, well, you are. discourse. I want to have uh-huh. some sort of... Listen, uh, 
Listen, meaningful prison, conversation. In prison, they have lots of meaningful conversations. I'm sure. So. <laughs> There's nothing but time. Speaking <laughs> of inmates, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, sir. Howdy, howdy. Turning howdy, your mic howdy. On Praise is, be to God. It's good to be here. That's turning, it. Send him to the prison. Turning the mic on yeah. is uh, always better. Nine out of ten <laughs> times. No, some would argue that I should leave it off. <laughs> some would say. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of turning your mic off, you're going to be gone for the next week. I am. I'm going to be gone. Praise be to God. What's well, on your agenda? Bye. I'm going to be uh, traveling. I'm going to be in Oklahoma. Really? Yes, sir. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Praise be to God. Uh, you going to do like a cowboy ro- uh, ranching? Or? I'm going to try to, uh, I'm going to purchase a ranch and start mm-hmm. uh, start my own ranch and makes sense. start a farm all yeah. by myself. Um, yeah. I'm going to get some horses. Okay. And like get, the Get sauce? the horsies. The all? horsies. And I'm going to ride horses. Horsies? Yeah. Is that like plural for horses? It's, it's, uh, it's a technical tor- term. Okay. That's what cowboys use to talk about. About horses, multiple really? horses. They call them horsies. Horsi. You go, uh, Would it be horsi? Tornado no, no, surfing? No, 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 or? That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and uh, I'm gonna not tornado surfing, but I'm gonna rope a tornado and ride it. Oh, nice! Yeah, Fascinating. I bet you're probably going to go up there to to be uh, in the in a production of Oklahoma. You're probably going to sing all the parts and do yeah, all you, the dances. You expose me, Joe. I am uh, I am starring as Curly in the new Oklahoma <laughs> I knew you would know uh, this. musical. Yeah, they they were like, I've heard you sing, and it's so so. Adequate. Well, honestly, you're the last choice. It's so there's nobody else that was uh, that was willing to do it. So um, here we are. Well, praise be to God. We will miss you, of course, and hope and pray that you have a great uh, vacation. Um, by the way, Monday is Labor Day. We will be playing a best of on Monday, but we, Rudy and I and Mike Koeniger are going to be here on uh, Tuesday through Friday with a great lineup of conversation. Let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Friday, September 2nd, and here are your headlines this morning. And by the way, it's going to be a huge three-day weekend. Enjoy it. This one's from Reuters. Russia moles buying $70 billion or seven, 70 billion uh, ruble in yuan and other friendly currencies. Russia is currently considering a plan to buy as much as $70 billion in yuan and other friendly currencies this year to slow the ruble surge. In the new situation, they say, accumulating liquid foreign exchange reserves for future crises is extremely difficult and not expedient said the text of a proposal prepared for a meeting of Russian government and the central bank officials. Axios reports New York Police Department veteran sentenced to 10 years in prison for assaulting officer on January 6th. A judge sentenced Thomas Webster, a 20-year NYPD veteran, to 10 years in prison on Thursday for assaulting an officer during the January 6th Capitol riot with a metal flagpole. It's the longest sentence given out so far over charges related to the 2021 demonstration, surpassing the previous sentence of 87 months shared by two other inmates uh, who attended January 6th. The Washington Examiner reports Kansas school settles with teachers suspended over pronoun use for 95K. A Kansas teacher will be awarded $95,000 from a school that suspended her for not using a student's preferred pronouns. 
Fort Riley Middle School math teacher Pamela Ricard sued Geary County School Board for enforcing a policy that didn't exist before her suspension and violating her rights. The incident occurred after Ricard referred to a student using the term Miss, followed by the student's enrolled last name. Previously, a school counselor had informed her that the student preferred a different first name than the one on record, and a classmate said that the student preferred he-him pronouns despite being enrolled in the school as a female. And The Hill reports ultra-processed food linked with heightened risk of colorectal cancer in men. Ultra-processed foods, that is, industrial ready-to-eat or ready-to-heat formulations made of with little or no whole foods, now contribute to 57% of total daily calories consumed by American adults, which has been continuously increasing in the past two decades. Processed meats, most of which fall into the category of ultra-processed foods, are a strong risk factor for colorectal cancer, explained the lead study author Lu Wang of Tufts University in a statement. Ultra-processed foods are also high in added sugars and low in fiber, which contribute to weight gain, obesity, and obesity is this, uh, an established risk factor for colorectal cancer. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The same of the day is a Blessed Guala, born in 1420, or rather, 12 in the 1200s. Guala was one of the first disciples of St. Dominic, attracted by the Dominican ideal in 1219 when he heard the founder preach. He received the habit from Dominic at the time the friary opened in Bergamo. After a short novitiate, he was actually appointed prior there. He proved to be an able superior and a practical administrator and builder. He was on the committee that planned the convent of St. Agnes in Bologna. During a delay in the construction of the convent because of the opposition of the family blessed Diana de Andalo, who was financing the project, Guala was sent to Brescia to assume the position of its first prior. During this period, Guala had the revelation of St. Dominic's greatness. Although they were good friends, Guala did not know that he was dying on their return from a chapter. As he had fallen asleep with his head leaning against the bell tower of the conventional church at Bresca, when he had a vision of two ladders coming down from heaven. Our Lord was visible at the top of one ladder and Our Lady at the top of the other. Angels were ascending and descending on them, and as he watched, a friar who sat at the foot of one ladder with his face covered was drawn up to heaven, and great glory surrounded him. Guala awoke deeply affected by the vision and went immediately to Bologna, where he found that St. Dominic had died at the time of his vision. In 1226, Guala was named the prior of Bologna's St. Nicholas Abbey, famous for its regularity and fervor. While there, Pope Honorius III appointed him the arbiter between Bologna and Medina. He had worked hard to forge a treaty that lasted for 10 years. In 1228, he, consecrated, he was consecrated Bishop of Bresca. At such time, he negotiated a number of treaties with warring cities. Guala's contemporaries described him as a man of great prudence, well acquainted with the world and of accomplished manners, and said that he governed the diocese entrusted to his care with such holiness that both during his life and after his death, he wrought many wonders through God. The years of labor and civil strife wore him down. He resigned his see in 1242 in order to enter complete seclusion and pray without interruption in preparation for death. Therefore, he retired at the Vellambrosan Monastery at San Sepulcra in De Astino, where he lived as a hermit until his death. Blessed Goalo, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. 
The scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, The disciples of John the Baptist fast often and offer prayers, and the disciples of the Pharisees do the same, but yours eat and drink. Jesus answered them, Can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come, and when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. And he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new cloak to patch an old one. Otherwise, he will tear the new, and the piece from it will not match the old cloak. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be ruined. Rather, new wine must be poured into fresh wineskins. And no one who has drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, from Cornelius Alapide, he had a lot to say about fasting. He says, quote, Moreover, after Christ's death, the apostles often fasted and suffered from hunger and thirst, as St. Paul relates. In the life of St. Peter, we read that he did severe penances and ate only bread with olives. Hence, also in the Eastern Church, says St. Epiphanius, and Christians fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. So they still do in Greece, Poland, and Holland. In other parts of the Western Church, they abstain from flesh on Fridays and Saturdays. These customs arose because on Wednesday, the bridegroom was betrayed to the Jews by Judas. On Friday, he was crucified, and on Saturday, he lay in the tomb. Epiphanius adds that formerly on fasting days, Christians ate nothing but bread and salt with water. And this was enjoyed by a decree of the apostles. Think about that. The fact that the apostles had required that Christians eat nothing but bread and salt and water on days of fasting. Maybe this is, since this is apostolic tradition, maybe it's something that we could start picking up again. St. Jerome says, When Christ the bridegroom departed from us on account of sins, then especially must grief and fasting be underdone. And I think here is one of the most important parts here. St. Ambrose says that the words of Christ, the bridegroom shall be taken away from them because no one can take Christ from thee unless thou takest thyself away from him. Because no one can take you from God. It is only yourself by your sins that you reject Christ. That's whenever Christ flees from your soul. And St. Ambrose goes on to talk about how when we feed on the Eucharist and when we commit grave sin, we must fast from the Eucharist. So let's have the bridegroom with us so we can receive him bodily in the Holy Eucharist. All right. Praise be to God. Don't go anywhere. Right after this quick break, we're going to come up with our What's Concerning Us section. Is America on the precipice of full division? That and more is coming up. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. We're often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the Internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well, then it's okay to reject the other. 
So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past this hour, Father Frank Pavone is going to be our guest. On September the 10th, it's going to be the National Day of Remembrance. We want to have a conversation about what that means and how you might host an event in your neck of the woods and why you should consider doing that. All of that and more coming up with Father Frank Pavone in just a little bit. Stick around and share us with a friend if you could. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Did you catch the speech last night uh, from President Joe Biden? Now, I don't have television at the House, so we couldn't watch the speech live. I'm not sure I would have if I could have, to be honest with you. But nonetheless, I did catch it this morning. And uh, one of my first impressions, Now, and I'd love to know what your impressions were, about what he said and, and everything else, you can always comment on one of our live video feeds, all linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Your opinion is welcome. You can comment there, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, we're on Rumble. We're on Odyssey. All linked up at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But nonetheless, uh, right out of the gate, like, there's because uh, I saw it was being passed around like on Twitter, like all these still shots of him looking very angry in front of this really ominous-looking dark background, this red, deep red background with United States Marines uh, standing in the back like that. And then it, it apparently CNN or some of the news agencies were were a little – they didn't like the color tone. So they actually were tweaking the color palette during his speech live. You know, kind of like Biden. Yeah, kind of like our show. Well, you know, because when you take video into a video editor, sometimes you got to tweak the colors. You know, you mess with the colors. You want to make them look right. Well, they were subtly trying. So, like the stripes on the American flag behind him were turning like fuchsia and purple. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, like, okay. Now, I did in their defense. uh, I did see one clip of a much wider shot, and they were painting. The building, this is in Philadelphia, by the way, where the uh, Continental Congress was meeting in the American Revolutionary days. And they painted the whole building in red, white, and blue. So the grand scheme, if you could take it all in, you would have seen red, white, and blue. But that's not what was shown to like the vast majority of, of Americans. They saw this cropped-in image of President Joe Biden with a deep, dark, ominous-looking background of red. And it just is bad up. Like, who's in charge? You know what I mean? Like, just forget about politics for one second. Just put that to a side. We'll come back. Who at the White House is in charge of optics? Have you lost your mind? Like, it just seems bizarre. Like, you're setting yourself up. You're walking straight into a trap. And you don't even know it. Like, it just, it's bizarre to me. I can't, it just it boggles the mind that somebody thought, 
hey, I got an idea. Hmm, what if? What if we portray the president against a very deep and ominous-looking red background? That'll send a message of hope and unity. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is... It's bizarre. It really is. Nonetheless, in his speech, uh, President Joe Biden made sure to demonize uh, all Americans who seemingly uh, would have preferred Donald Trump as president. You know, he demonized Donald Trump. He demonized what he calls the MAGA nation, and he calls them terrorists. And he basically calls for one party system. Now, his uh, press secretary, in a speech just this week, basically did the same thing. She made a point to say, if your views are not in keeping with the vast majority of Americans, then you are thinking in extremes. I find this to be very dangerous rhetoric, and I find the, the rhetoric is ramping up significantly. We are given only two choices every single election. It's the other side that's evil, right? That's what we're told every time. But have, can you be honest with me, and can you tell me that in any time in your history, and if you're my age, you've, you've seen a few elections by now, has there anybody, has there ever been an election at this level of rhetoric in your recent memory? I can't think of one. Now, when I was a kid, I did not follow politics, so I didn't listen to what Ronald Reagan had to say, nor his opponent, or or uh, George Bush Sr. I, when I was in the Marine Corps, Bill Clinton was president. and Of course, there, there was always trash-talking and backbiting and all of that. It's not new. It's been around. Even, uh, even John Adams was put off by the fact that he didn't win the first presidency. Um, but nonetheless, I have never seen it at this. Like, I feel like one thing President Joe Biden said last night that I agree with, the things in our country just aren't right. I think he's spot on. We are, we are definitely in a position where things are not right, and we're on a precipice here. I have not seen the level of secession talk at going on right now in our country by the kinds of people who are talking about things like secession. And I find that incredibly dangerous. So here's a question. Irregardless of your political view, right, left, or otherwise, I personally don't love the options I'm given every single election. And I wish there was a party that uh, that better suited what I see in the world through a Catholic lens, but I just don't find that party very often. Irregardless, I think you should also find this incredibly troubling that you have a president of the United States against a deep, dark, ominous-looking red background shaking his fist and condemning half of the country at a minimum. Right now, his uh, approval rating is below 40%. It is an all-time low. So arguably, one could say, just based on that alone, he does not represent the majority opinion of our country. And yet, he is lambasting the other half of our country at a minimum, possibly the majority of our country, as absolutely evil and terrorist. Will that bring unity to our country? Will that heal the divide? Will that make people want to cross the aisle and, uh, and work and collaborate together to bring about a, a great future? Because ultimately, we're being forced. We're being hand-forced all of these insane ideas as though if we don't accept them, we're the extreme ones. I mean, this morning I read an article about, uh, about this uh, hospital in Chicago, just like the one in Boston, just like the one in D.C., and other hospitals across our country that are actively engaged in gender therapy 
air quotes, scare quotes, for underage children, let alone anybody of any age. Uh, How about all those drag shows? How about if you don't go along and get along with this agenda, then you must be a racist. You must be you must be some homophobic person. You must be a bigot. You must be something that is horrible and bad. The language is is really not good. Of course, a big portion of President Joe Biden's speech last night was in uh, really condemning those who would question the results of the election. And yet, I I mean, there's video out a 10 minute long video, in fact, out uh, on Twitter of uh, Kamala Harris and uh, Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and all of these people who were all questioning the 2016 election results. Nancy Pelosi and and Sheila Jackson Lee, they're all questioning the, uh, the 2016 results. They all questioned them repeatedly over and over. Former President Jimmy Carter called Donald Trump an invalid president back in 2016. Do you see? So they were allowed to question that, but... Uh, Americans aren't allowed these days to criticize or question the current election results. Now, again, above my pay grade, I don't get to decide, you know, who wins elections and who doesn't. And that's not even the point of what I'm trying to make here is that we live in a very myopic, very manipulated, very controlled situation. And I feel like our country is on the precipice of division. And I think we should be very concerned as Catholics. We want not division. We want unity. And to be honest with you, I mean, spoiler alert, we actually do believe in a one-world religion. <laughs> we actually do believe in a one-world government. But what do we mean by that? Well, Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the ruler of all the universe because he's the creator of all the universe. He is our Lord, our Savior, and he is our Master. And we want the world to be ruled by him. We want our lives to be ruled by him. Not in some uh, insane way, as some uh, dictator might, but one who is a loving and kind and gracious father, but one who is just and rules with an iron rod through justice and mercy. And yet in a fallen world, we are given two terrible choices. We're, you know, we're often asked to choose between the bad and the badder. And it's hard to make those choices very clearly. And to be frank with you, I often have a struggle to trust those on the conservative right because I know that they may be, uh, you know, uh, in agreement on the economy level or sometimes in agreement on a foreign policy level, but often not, to be honest with you. But uh, how do they feel about supporting traditional marriage? Are they going to defend the foundation of society between a man and a woman, raising their, their kids in matrimony? No, because we have allowed that to go. And that fabric has been uh, one of the main contributors to unraveling society around us. We see, we live in a day and an age where the Justice Department is used sort of uh, very, in a very biased way against one party, while the other party, I'm thinking of uh, Swalwell, Hillary Clinton, and uh, Hunter Biden and others, they get a pass, but the other side gets the full force of it. Where's the equal treatment is the question. Um, January 6th, we just talked to uh, Luke Coffey, who's facing up to 20 years in prison right now because he tried to bring peace in the most chaotic uh, situation on the tunnel entrance and the back uh, entrance of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. And he held up a crutch to bring a, uh, to a pause so that a woman who, was, who died that morning might have a chance to find emergency relief. And yet he was considered 
a terrorist and is now going to a trial. And it's a very severe situation. If you missed that conversation, let me encourage you to pick it up on our podcast feed. It was It's a, a gripping story. I mean, we live in a very disordered, disjointed time. So what's the answer? Well, tomorrow we get an opportunity. We get an opportunity, praise be to God, to have a real and substantial impact on the world around us. No matter the politics of our friends, our families, our neighbors, ourselves, our coworkers, our colleagues, we have an opportunity to do something about all of this. What can we do? You can live holy. I mean, you can become a saint. What does that mean? You have to live in a state of grace. Go to confession. When's the last time you made a great confession? We had a conversation last week with Father Van Fleet about how to prepare and have a great and excellent uh, confession. Go to the sacrament of confession. Examine your conscience well. Give yourself the opportunity to be truly reconciled, to live in a state of grace, and then go to communion tomorrow. Make acts of reparation at first uh, at the first Saturday devotion. Pray your rosary. Meditate upon the life and the mysteries and the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as Our Lady, His Mother, has asked us to do. If you live in a state of grace and you live like a saint, not fearing and trembling in this world that is broken and continues to slide into the abyss, but one who has hope and sees the vision of heaven in front of you and the desire to go after it. We've talked a lot about St. Padre Pio uh, this week. Yesterday we were conversating with Angela Labuti about uh, Shia LaBeouf's portrayal of Padre Pio. Padre Pio had such courage that when he knew that there was an unrepentant sinner before him, he would even go so far as to give him a little smack across the face to say, Wake up! You faced the hellfire. Wake up before it's too late. Go to heaven. Make the choice to become a saint today. Where are the great saints of our time? Have you ever heard someone say, The Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality. Well, G.K. Chesterton says, It is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the Statehouse, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. This one from the Epic Times. U.S. restricts NVIDIA Corporation from selling AI chips to China and Russia, company says. NVIDIA's A100 and H100 processors made, uh, made are 
enabling AI developers to speed up research while being able to develop more advanced AI models. The H100 is expected to be launched this year, and it's six times faster than the A100 processor. Washington informed the company that the new licensing requirement will address the risk of these two chips being used for military purposes in Russia and China. China is a big market for the company. The firm admitted that around $400 million worth of potential sales to China in the third fiscal quarter could be subject to new license agreements or requirements, rather. Space.com says NASA's Perseverance Mars rover has made oxygen seven times in an exploration milestone. Led by the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, the Mars Oxygen In-Situ Resource Utilization Experiment, which is a word salad otherwise known as MOXIE, is a small instrument on the Perseverance rover that's designed to transform carbon dioxide, which comprises some 96% of the atmosphere on Mars, into breathable oxygen. MOXIE's products could also be used uh, to create uh, oxygen for rocket fuel, pretty crucial to ensuring the mission isn't just one way. A rocket would need 33 to 50 tons of uh, liquid oxygen propellant in order to launch humans off of Mars. And LifeSite reports, Priest Jailed for Pro-Life Counseling says only Christ-like actions will change the hearts of people on abortion. A Catholic priest and pro-life activist who was released his first public statement since he was imprisoned a month ago for participating in a Red Rose rescue says that the value we place on something is measured by what we're willing to sacrifice in order to save and protect it, Father Fidelis wrote. Our Lord Jesus Christ values and loves us so much that he's willing to sacrifice everything on the cross for our salvation. The fundamental challenge of the pro-life movement has always been to convince our society of the intrinsic value and dignity of our unborn brothers and sisters. He continued, but words alone cannot convince. Only loving, sacrificial, Christ-like actions will convince those who are trapped in the mindset of the culture of death. Only when we're freely and generously ready to give up our possessions, money, careers, freedom, and even life itself, we will fully show the true value of the lives of these children. Unquote. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Uh, by the way, today is the day. I've been, I switched it up to Fridays, sending out the CDT Insider email. Uh, so you're going to get that in your inbox uh, later today. So uh, I always like to send you not only like important links of conversations we've had, and we had some great conversations this past, this week alone. Luke Coffee, as I mentioned a minute ago, uh, was on his testimony January 6th. is pretty powerful. And then, uh, of course, we had another conversation with uh, a Tiananmen Square survivor from the massacre in Tiananmen Square in 1989. Uh, that was a, another really great conversation. Yesterday's conversation with Angela Lubuti was fantastic. I uh, highly recommend that you check that out. Uh, contemplating the idea that St. Padre Pio would use such vulgar language, even though he had a, a heart and a zealousness for holiness and a desire to see sinners repent and confess uh, sincerely, uh, it just boggles the mind that he would have ever used such vulgar language. That conversation was really, really good. I'm going to be sending all of that to you in your inbox this afternoon. Plus, I always like to dig up some wonderful entertainment for your weekend to uh, to enjoy a movie, an old movie or something like that. I'll, I'll send that to you as well. If you want to get in on these CDTNs that are email list, what you have to do is go to our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Look for the CDT Insider email link. It just takes a moment, and you're on the list. Praise be to God. But joining us right now via Zoom chat is Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life. Good morning to you, Father. 
Good morning. Good to be with you. Praise be to God. We're grateful for your time today. We know that the National Day of Remembrance is fast approaching on September the 10th, and we thought we'd get uh, get your uh, your commentary on that. But, you know, I want to start with this, because uh, just recently I came across two videos online. Uh, they were archaeological uh, in nature. One was from Israel, and it was an archaeological site that's been known for quite a while now uh, of of uh, pagan worship practices from the Canaanites. And they actually found at the altar site the remains of children there, babies and young mm-hmm. and young kids uh, that were offered as sacrifices in those locations. And, uh, and you can go there today and visit this site and see for yourself this uh, remains of this uh, human sacrifice there in, uh, in Israel. And then you go to Peru just this week, the National Ge- Geographic was passing around a, uh, an article about uh, finding human remains, a lot of human remains in Peru in human sacrifice. There are kids, babies, all being offered up, and in some cases animals uh, devouring those children. I mean, it's pretty horrific. And yet none of those societies, those pagan societies, could hold a candle to the atrocities that we as modern people have, have committed, can they? That's right. And, you know, you look, whether it's Psalm 106 or you look in the uh, second book of Kings in chapter 17 and then again in 24, you see the reason for the exile. Uh, It wasn't political or military weaknesses or miscalculations on the part of uh, God's people. It was violation of the covenant, specifically the shedding of innocent blood of their children in worship to these pagan gods and goddesses. Uh, that these shrines were built to. In fact, so much of the history of the Old Testament is uh, you're reading uh, back and forth between the good kings and the bad kings, the kings of Israel, kings of Judah, and the good ones reaffirm people in the covenant, but the bad ones actually set up these shrines, which were essentially uh, shrines for the killing of children. This is just so uh, pertinent to what's going on today because, you know, we can't just uh, debate abortion as a legal, political, philosophical uh, issue. It is demonic. It is child sacrifice. It's the same kind of stuff that those passages talk about and that these archaeological discoveries reveal. It's like not, it's, it's, as, as much as things change, they always stay the same, right? Like, yeah, the the, the uh, human sacrifice, the death and destruction, the death cult has been around since the fall of man. And it seems like it's the ongoing contributing battle that we suffer from. And we have never seemed to learn from our mistakes in the past. Why are we such why are we so thick skulled? Well, you know, a part of it is, you know, human nature tends towards uh, finding substitutes for our despair and for our fear. We see this, of course, in the in the beautiful story of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, the people who were practicing child and, and human sacrifice in those days when Our Lady appeared uh, to Juan Diego were, were driven by despair. They had this idea, you know, gods, the gods were going to destroy us and so forth. And Our Lady of Guadalupe, carrying that God within her, re-inspired hope. Hope is something we constantly have to strive to hold on to. It's because of because of what original sin has done to us and our personal sins have reinforced. We tend towards despair. We tend to look down instead of up. And and constantly recapturing hope is a is a very very essential antidote to all of this. 
personally and also communally. And our current political situation is such that even though the Dobbs decision has uh, successfully overturned Roe v. Wade, you and I have discussed that on this show previously, but we're now living in a climate where a government, state, local, and national are finding new ways to force abortion down our throats to pay with our own tax dollars. Um, it seems like it's ramp- the battle is ramping up. Yes, it certainly has, it, and it will continue to. And part of the ramping up is just the desperation of the other side. I mean, we just uh, we have to watch now what's happening with the rhetoric coming from uh, some of our political leaders, as we, we saw in full display last night by a speech of the president. The stage is getting set here for real serious persecution of pro-lifers, of believers, of the church, because when you start calling large segments of the American population threats to our very democracy, well, what do you do with threats to our very democracy? Uh, you know, you don't you don't engage in in reasonable debate. You got to put a stop to those people. And so we're 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 seeing you know this imposition of things like abortion. Now, is this coming from people who don't just disagree with us? about abortion. They see this as a dangerous threat to their rights and to their freedom. Um, this is we're, we're we have to brace ourselves for a real mm. it, it, more than a battle over this. Uh, a real persecution, I think, is revving up. OK, so let me ask you this, because we're about to face the midterms here shortly. Are politicians who are running for election or re-election in this midterms, are they embracing the abortion narrative or like, or are they trying to avoid that issue? Does that become the third rail or has that become a rallying call for them? You know, the, the, uh, the, the pro-life politicians that I know, they're not running away from it, but they are carefully noticing that uh, on the other side, among, among Democrat voters, abortion has moved up on the, in the hierarchy of issues that, voters deem important. You know, for many election cycles, it barely appeared on the radar. Uh, but the other side has ramped it up. Now, it's it's more, uh, it's about, um, uh, well, it's, it's, it's uh, I, I, let's put it this way. It's more ramped up on the other side right now than on our side. But that's not necessarily a disadvantage for uh, pro-life politicians simply because what is overriding all of those concerns is the ongoing problems with inflation and crime yeah. uh, and and so forth. So uh, the pro-life politicians tend to line up also on the right in the right direction on those other issues, and that's going to help them to win these midterms. All right, hold that thought, Father Frank Pavone is our guest. We're going to be talking about the National Day of Remembrance coming up September the 10th. All of that and more coming up after this break. Don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, themensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life is our guest, talking about the National Day of Remembrance and uh, just the state of affairs that we find our country in. Oh, man, that the division, the rhetoric is at a fever pitch. And, uh, boy, we have much to pray fast and do penance for in our country. Abortion being, I think, high on the list. And uh, tell us, uh, Father Frank, what is the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children. Well, you know, about 11 years ago, I uh, got together with um, a couple of my colleagues in the pro-life uh, leadership, and I said, you know, we've got these burial places uh, for aborted babies in various parts of the country. Now, some of them I had been privileged to conduct the funerals and do the burials myself. And, um, you know, I, I've always been convinced that we end abortion by connecting with the humanity of these unborn children. So I, I began discussions among the leadership about uh, why don't we have a day where we ask people to come all on the same day to pray at those grave sites. And, uh, and, and, it, and the idea took off, and uh, my friend Eric Scheidler and Monica Miller, two other pro-life leaders, and I joined together to found this National Day of Remembrance. The idea is very simple. The unborn are real. Um, most of the bodies have, have just gone away in the in the trash, but uh, some of them have been recovered and buried, and we should honor them. The body, as we know in our Catholic teaching, is an aspect of the person. The body is just as much uh, personal as the soul, and we honor the body. Uh, we bury the dead. It's a corporal work of mercy. And for those dead who have been buried but are so forgotten, the unborn are the most forgotten group of human beings, uh, if by going to those grave sites, honoring them, mourning them, and praying for them. We're, A, connecting with their humanity. B, we are reminding others about their humanity. And C, we're doing what a culture of life does. We weep and we mourn when children die. And this is an activity that will continue on even after abortion ends. We remember and we mourn. Remembrance, of course, is right at the heart, both of Jewish and Christian Worship. The Passover is a memorial of the great works of God. The Eucharist, do this in remembrance of me, is a memorial of the great works of God in Christ. So we remember these children. It's an opportunity, too, for healing uh, for the moms, the dads, the grandparents of these aborted children, uh, even if their own uh, uh, children are not in those burial places. We, uh, we use this day as, a, as an invitation 
to mourn and to realize the beatitude that blessed are they who mourn, they will be comforted. That's beautiful, Father, you know, to to actually put into context the humanity of these children who really did lose their life. You know, it's not just some abstract concept uh, that happened in the ether. These are actually children who died. They're buried. We have to remember their, 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 their memory, the potential of what they could have been. And it reminds me also uh, how powerful of a witness it is to to see things like this, to participate mm-hmm. in, in days of remembrance, to participate in a, a requiem mass, for example. That actually was the catalyst for my wife when I was when we were just dating. You know, she wasn't really on on the board for the pro life movement, but we went to a requiem mass and she saw how many mm-hmm. candles were lit at the foot of the altar. That represented all of those children that died from the from the rising of the sun to its setting, and that left an impact on her. I'm so glad you shared that because this has always been so evident to me in the pro life movement. You know, on one level, you you know you see it happen when people see pictures of aborted babies. There's no no section of our our priest for life website, for example, that has and this has been consistent over the last 30 years that has, gets more traffic, more response, more conversions than the section that has the actual pictures of these babies. But then you take it a step further when you actually see the babies in person. And when you think about it, with all these tens of millions, there's been 65 and a half million aborted since Roe v. Wade. Uh, you know, people have to ask, where where are the bodies? And with that many being slaughtered, the bodies are going to appear eventually in different places randomly. We have had bodies brought to us by pathologists, for example, mm. who have of a conscience not to just throw them in the waste. We have uh, had other bodies uh, that we've obtained through medical waste companies that were picking them up from the abortion facilities. And still at other times, we recall, for example, in the mid-80s, this is going back a while, in Los Angeles, uh, some workers came across a gigantic box body uh, uh, container uh, uh, truck of uh, 16,500 aborted babies. Wow. Inside. Um, and these were all buried eventually at a grave in Los Angeles called the Odd Fellows Cemetery. I prayed at that grave uh, not long ago. So we've got these stories that have arisen. And part of the National Day of Remembrance is inviting people to read these stories. And again, it just awakens us as to what's going on. We have a literal Holocaust going on. Um, and these bodies have been lovingly uh, recovered by pro-life people, honored and buried. Uh, they, the abortion industry kills these babies in secret. We honor them in the bright light of day. And that's why I've also always believed that when we do discover these bodies in these various ways, we shouldn't have some kind of quiet, private ceremony as if we're ashamed of it. We have nothing to be ashamed of. The abortionists have something to be ashamed of. Let's honor these babies in the bright light of day and let as many people as possible see them, see the bodies, see the burials, see the grave sites. And that's part of what this National Day of Remembrance also does. So uh, let's talk about the the sort of the essentials of the National Day of Remembrance coming up September the 10th. So this is there's going to be a national uh, event where people are going to gather. Where will they gather? Well, they will gather at the various grave sites, which can be found at nationaldayofremembrance.org. There's a, a listing there. You can see if there is one like near you mm-hmm. where the 
These are actually buried. And there are local leaders that you can also connect with through the website to join in the memorial service taking place on September 10th. Now, there are only about 50 of these actual grave sites. Some of them, as I mentioned, have thousands of bodies buried in one grave. Some have hundreds, some have a few, some have just one. But then, aside from the places where the babies are actually buried, there will be similar memorial services at uh, the many, many other places where there are memorial stones. Mm-hmm. So some parish churches, uh, some Catholic cemeteries, some uh, Knights of Columbus halls, and uh, other, other uh, places have memorial stones to the unborn, and uh, people will gather at those and pray too. So the so the uh, the event is national. The uh, actual observances are are local, and we encourage people to go to nationaldayofremembrance.org, find out the nearest service to where you are, and if perhaps you're in a place of the country where there's not one nearby, nevertheless you can participate in this day just through your own taking of a little bit of extra time, maybe saying a rosary or just spending some time in meditation and spend some time reading the prayers that are on that website and reading the stories mm-hmm. again, connect with the humanity of these children and, and pray for their families, for their, uh, for their healing. These are some of the ways people can take part. I'm looking at a map right now over at the national day of remembrance.org website you can there's a, a red button there. You click on it, and it'll take you to where all the locations are. And there's a yeah. lot of locations. I mean, there it's, are. It's jam packed. Right now, we are broadcasting to 50 radio stations in New York, and Massachusetts, and Ohio, and Virginia, and Maryland, and and Alabama, and and Texas, and Kansas, and you got a lot of options. Um, and maybe if you're like way way out in West Texas, you're gonna have less options, but. Honestly, there should be something near you, so it's pretty accessible. It is, it is. And, you know, a very beautiful convergence here. As I said, I co-founded this event, and, and I'm also pastoral director of Silent No More. And, and, and these, these things work together because at many of these memorial services, we will have a man or a woman from our Silent No More campaign who's lost a child to abortion. Uh, the Silent No More members speak out about their experience and uh, that, as I mentioned earlier, is an important component of this, uh, because at the graveside is a place where we weep, we mourn, and so much bitter pain is locked up in the hearts and, and bodies of these, these moms, dads, and other family members, too, by letting it out in a, in a, in a way that, um, well, we're used to, aren't we? I mean, somebody dies, a loved one dies, a friend dies, we go to the funeral, we go to the graveside. It's so much a part of our human experience. And the more we can integrate our sorrow and grief over the aborted children into this basic human dynamic, it's a basic part of life, the more healing we will all find. And the silent no more uh, men and women are are a beautiful part of that. Amen. I'm post-abortive, and I have uh, given my testimony at uh, rallies, uh, uh, silent no more rallies here in the Houston area. And it wasn't until I started talking about that that it re- you really begin to heal and you really begin that process because the silence is a killer because it holds other people in silence who have also suffered through through abortion. And once you talk, boy, other people are like, 
I've been there, I've done that, and they want to talk right. too. So it it begins to spread, praise be to God. Um, all right, we're, right. we're down to about a minute now with Father Frank Pavone. So if someone wants to organize something that's not in their area or whatever, do they just contact uh, the website? They go through the contact yes. website? Yes, that's right. Uh, you can t- contact, see if there are places that might still need a local leader. Otherwise, join in uh, leadership. And if you have a memorial stone in your community somewhere for the unborn and you don't see it listed there, you know, there are some we may have missed. Let us know. You can communicate with us through that website and uh, and we'll be happy to uh, give you the uh, preparations and the trainings needed for for local leaders of this event. Yeah, the website is nationaldayofremembrance.org. Uh, share that with a friend. It's coming up November, or rather, <laughs> November, September the 10th, which is just next week. And uh, there's plenty of opportunity. Again, there, the website is just jam-packed with locations that you can choose from. So hopefully you'll be able to find something there. But uh, Father Frank Pravone, we're grateful for your time today. Would you uh, and give us your priestly blessing, please? Absolutely. Well, may the Lord send his Holy Spirit upon all of you, a spirit of life, spirit of healing, spirit of joy and salvation. And may he bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. Nice to see you all. God bless. We'll see you next time. All right. So that's going to do it for hour number one. But I wanted to say real quick before we go, hey, don't forget to get in on our email list. I'll be sending that email to you this afternoon. It's going to be jam-packed full of great links. Uh, and the wonderful conversations we've had. I was just thinking about that conversation we had about the uh, drug-induced abortions where they mail the drugs you can, or to your house. Those go into our water systems. The chemicals, the remains of the baby. That was an incredibly difficult conversation. And if you missed it, I'll send it to you in the email in- inbox today because our water system... It's got some issues, and that was a hard conversation. But at any rate, a lot of good news and stuff is coming in your email email inbox. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to get in on that action. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Dave Palmer's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time has more for you in store. Otherwise, see you Monday. a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. How can you turn a simple daily routine, something ordinary that you do every day, into a tool to renew your marriage? Transform a routine into a ritual. Rituals can build up and revive your marriage because it's a routine that has a positive emotional meaning that points to a deeper reality. Rituals can be little things like saying I love you each day before leaving, or longer, like a daily evening or morning walk together. One couple I know has a forgiveness ritual when they reconcile at the end of every day. Some tips on rituals. Make it a habit so it's easy to maintain. Make it time limited so there's a recognizable beginning and end. And the last tip, tie it to something you already do, like brushing your teeth or getting ready for bed. Apathy and indifference can destroy marriages, but by maintaining rituals, it helps marriages weather the storms of life. So if your wife likes it when you bring her flowers, ritualize it. For more tools for your relationship, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash. Hi, I'm Caden from St. Lima Parish. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Great conversation with Father Frank Pavone. He's a class act. Classy. Uh, his, uh, the National Day of Remembrance, their website, again, is nationaldayofremembrance.org. Check that out. September the 10th. It's coming up next week. Great opportunity for you, for the family. Uh, great witness for the kids, by the way. Lots of locations to choose from. National Day of org. You know, one story that I kind of wish we had more time to talk about was the whole Colorado shutting people's thermostats off. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine going to your thermostat because it's like, hey, it's hot. It's hot in here. And you're like, why, why, why can't I turn this thing down? I wonder if they were using some sort of digital mm-hmm. thermometer. Yeah. Because they, I, yeah. okay, so it, internet it has enabled. to be. Okay. So when you Google-fy your home, when you Amazon-fy your home, when you one-ring your home, guess what? I See, people are trying to sell you convenience, but that convenience is going to really quickly bite you in the butt one day. So The backside. That's why I keep my 2001 Camry. There's no computer in there other than the one that controls how the combustion goes. uh, Yeah, I like my 06 uh, Dodge. (laughs) I don't have a Dodge. Adrian has a Dodge. I like my 06 Tahoe. Praise be to God. (laughs) I like your 06 Dodge, too. Thanks, pal. (laughs) I did have a Dodge once until I blew the transmission and had to throw it away. Uh, I dodge cars all the time. My, but my Chevy still keeps going. And nonetheless, I just imagine going to your thermostat and you get a, a little message. We're sorry. You can't cool your home right now. The governor has mandated Dave, an electric emergency. Me. Dave, stop. <laughs> oh, and your electric car is also not able to be charged right now. Please walk. You're overweight. We aren't opening your refrigerator either. Oh man! Could you imagine? Like all this stuff is is connected. Yeah, that's how that's at our apartment. That's how it's like. They have the uh, our thermostat. Even our door is controlled with the app. So, right. So management no can open up yes. our door whenever they want. Oh, no. They can uh, uh, turn it mm. down and, and raise up our temperature yeah. in our in our room if they wanted to. 
Very creepy. It is creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So then Xi Jinping is listening to every thermostat. In protest, I set my AC to 60 degrees this morning. Nice. Just to stand my ground (laughs) against the man. Joe comes home to a busted air conditioning. (laughs) Exactly. My my wife would turn that off in an instant. Bill comes in the mail. Exactly. It's like a million dollars. I know. And 500% energy increases in Europe right now. Wow. 500% increases in energy costs right now. Poor fellas. So there's a lot of folks in, in Europe that are thinking, Yikes. How do I find a wood stove right now? How do I get wood? Joe, what's your take on nuclear energy? Uh, seems Based. renewable. It does, doesn't it? It seems renewable. And, you know, uh, oil seems renewable. Safe. Safe. I mean, are there downsides? There's downsides to a lot of stuff, but nuclear energy seems pretty safe. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, yeah. nuclear energy, the mm. things that we think of like, oh, nuclear meltdowns and yeah. all that sort of stuff, that's old technology. The new technology well, might Fukushima, be better. That was the Fukushima oh. incident with the tsunami. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a tsunami, though. That's yeah. <laughs> But the but infrastructure like, was old. Yeah, yeah it's but also it's like still, a rare occasion. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, okay, so here's the thing. A lot of people talk about how ugly these nuclear facilities are, and I was like, you know what? As far as things go, yeah, that's a good argument. It is a huge eyesore. But when I was driving to Santa Fe through Texas, Mm -hmm. I saw that the lines and miles and miles of windmills. And I'm like, these are hideous. And they take up miles of space because you have to have them everywhere. And And I'm like, imagine if they got rid of all of those and put just one nuclear power plant there. It would be way less ugly. Plus, why don't we just make it They also break down. They can catch on fire. They kill lots of birds. And they require fossil oils to work at all. And they still do not provide enough electricity for us to to operate. I think California tried renewable energy uh, solely for one day last year. They got four seconds of power. Uh, otherwise, there was just not enough to carry the load. So, hey, you know what? This is a little too much Debbie Downer for me. Let's turn to something far more positive, like like the end of the world, for instance. <laughs> oh, oh, with yeah. Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father, who joins us now by Zoom chat. Good yeah, point. that is uh, that's a little uptick on the um, optimism scale, isn't it, Joe? I like, I like that transition. Thank you. That's right. Nothing but positivity. Fluffy bunnies and sunshine, Dave Palmer, as we like that's to say. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, this is actually good news because we're talking about, you know, I, I, who isn't interested in the end of the world? And if, you know, if, if we know the world's going to end at some point. And mm-hmm. if it, 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 when it happens, are there going to be some signs that precede that end? And we would like to hope that there will be some. Mm-hmm. And we also might want to see what the common doctor, the doctor of the doctors, the Catholic Church has to say about it. Okay. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do on Back to the Father today. Okay. Well, that's exciting. That's coming up at 1 p.m. Central, 2 Eastern on uh, the GRN Online YouTube channel and Facebook page. You can find it there. Back to the Father. Great show. You should tune in. Uh, before I get you to give me a little bit of taste of that, uh, can I get your opinion of uh, Dun Scotus uh, wiping the floor with Dominicans and uh, on the Immaculate Conception debate? What was your opinion of that, Dave Palmer? <laughs> Just curious. Well, it's, you know, he, he he's the one that kind of set the stage for the Franciscan, the ultimate, you mean? The, the, yeah, yeah, Franciscan. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at Adrian yeah. to make sure yeah. that Adrian isn't leaving the room. He's looking for something right? to throw at me right now. But, <laughs> he's visibly you know, uncomfortable. <laughs> he's got a chair. <laughs> I, I actually think the delay in the official declare of the uh the dogma was because of this debate i think there's always been a preference towards aquinas Mm -hmm. and you didn't want to really say yeah aquinas might have gotten a little some of the details about this one wrong and i think there was a hesitancy in the church to do that that's just Mm -hmm. my my theory i don't know if you guys agree if he was wrong about the immaculate conception can we trust him on the end times 
Well, no. <laughs> well, hear, hear me out here, because the the thing about the end times is that first of all, Thomas spent very little time in the in the Summa about it. There's one question in the Tertia Pars at the end of the Summa, question seventy three, three articles. Uh, and it's called whether any signs will precede the judgment. Three articles among 3,000 in the whole Summa. So he didn't spend a lot of time on this. And if you summarize Thomas's answer, you could you could summarize it in, I don't know. I mean, he know he there's going to be signs, but what they are is we we don't really know what they're going to be. Mm-hmm. But probably the most interesting thing that comes of it is in question 73, article one, Saint Peter Damien wrote on what. St. Jerome had said that he thought the 15 signs were going to be. And Jerome had taken it from some Hebrew text. Mm -hmm. And then Aquinas comes back and says, he, although he includes him in the Summa, he comes back and says, uh, I don't think those are very reliable. <laughs> so Jerome was, was very given to his Hebrew influence. I mean, he, yeah, was, he was very yeah. given over to that. So not surprised to see that. So can you give us a taste of the 15 signs? Yeah, I've got I've got them here on my other screen. Let me read a couple of them. Uh, there's 15 of them. Uh, the seas will rise 15 cubits. All the water will be plunged into the depths. Well, hold this, on. This is... we, we, zombie up ice is hitting us. Ten inches, oh, we were told, is exactly. going to rise the Greenland ice cap? Check California that box. Underwater. That one's done. What's next? <laughs> yeah, we got it. Now, listen to this one. All the great fishes and other things that move in the waters mm-hmm. will gather together okay. and raising their heads above the sea, uh-huh roar at one another contentiously well that didn't happen when i went fishing last so that still is yet to, <laughs> to go down so yeah there, there seems to be like discord among the the animal i mean the, the, the animal life you yeah. know there's another one all the birds of the air will gather together in the fields wailing to one another with neither bite nor sup uh and, and then there is something of that that's kind of zombie-ish uh that jerome you know, wrote about that Thomas basically says, eh, nah, I don't think so. Uh, what's the one? Okay, towards the end, um, let me get to my screen here. Uh, he says, um, all graves from the east to the west will open to allow the bodies to rise again. Yikes. That's, yeah, that's kind that of zombie. zombie. <laughs> so Hollywood is just giving us spoiler alerts? I mean, like, really? <laughs> wow. Prepping us. Yeah. Dad? Could you imagine how frightening that would be? I mean, literally, that would be that must be a, a very frightening time to be in. Um, do does uh, I guess Thomas doesn't mention three days of darkness then? Well, well actually, he does. Um, not not three days of darkness, but interestingly, there, I, I mentioned there's three articles, right? And one of the articles has to do with will there be the darkening of the sun and the moon? And Thomas has to come down on yes because. Uh, Luke twenty one twenty five says there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. Okay, so Thomas is never going to go against scripture. Mm. But what he says is at the time that Jesus comes back, there, there's not going to be there can't be any darkness because that's light and, mm-hmm. and brightness. But he said right before that, he, he holds the possibility that there could be some darkening. Uh, again, he, he's like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But. He he kind of throws up his hands, but he, he says, well, clearly Scripture is indicating that there there could be some variation in light and darkness right before the, the final coming. Yeah, that's interesting because Thomas would have lived prior to the prophecies of the three days of darkness. 
So that may be an interesting idea that it's not going to be complete darkness the whole time that the second coming is happening, but just the days preceding it or leading up to it. So that, that's interesting. Hmm. I didn't have any idea. Yeah. Wow. So, all right, let's, uh, let's put our cards on the table then, Dave. Um, give me a date. When do you think this is going to happen? <laughs> is it our time? Is it going to be our, our time? Is, isn't there something in Scripture where you're not supposed to do that, Joe? Hey, 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 stop changing the subject. Stop distracting. Well, you know, Cornelius Alapide, he says it would it'd be in like 6,000 A.D., Really, mm-hmm. six thousand. Yeah. I'm I'm of an opinion of much closer date. But what is you be general if you have to, Dave? What do you think? Near, I, far? I, I, okay, the end of the world. I I, I tend to think it's not mm. going to be in our lifetime. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think every age. Our kids' lifetime. Think, our grandkids' every lifetime. Every age thinks it's going to be them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but I I just. I guess I'm optimistic, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, in that regard. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think we're still a long ways from it. A long uh, ways. I, from I'm, it. I may be a minority uh, viewpoint on that. I, who knows? Do you, I don't do, know. you, do you remember the time? I don't know. Maybe Adrian might not even in life, but it was uh, at least in yours and my lifetime. Was it yesterday, when, when somebody, <laughs> <laughs> somebody had made a prediction, and the yes. whole world was kind yes. of. Do you remember that? There was a Protestant fella, and he he revised his prediction. I think. Two or three times and was wrong every time. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird the but, but but he did he did grab the attention of the whole world yeah. for you know the, uh, the week or two leading up to it. Why Everybody was having the end of the world parties and uh, it, it was surreal. Twenty twelve. Oh, there were people who were selling all of their possessions. What? Yeah, yeah they they, yeah. they would close their businesses and they'd sell off all their possessions because they were convinced the end of the world was coming. And then it didn't, and then they had to figure out how to who how to live this? again. Y two K was a flavor of that too. It was. I remember yeah. the the the. Uh, do you remember Y two K? Do you remember like the like a uh, New Year's Eve going into Y two K? I was at a, a friend's house for a party, and we were like, "Yes, we're going to see the whole world come crumbling down in front of us." At, or yeah, and, and or no, not. nobody wanted to nobody wanted to fly, and yeah, and yeah, I, I remember that very specifically. I remember going out on New Year's Eve, uh, then you know, midnight comes and right. no, really nothing happened. Nothing it was happened. A big, big, yeah. a big nothing burger, right? That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, well guys are uh, what do we get out generation. of this that Dave Palmer refuses to commit to giving us a date for the end of time? But he had, he wants to tell us what Tom Thomas Aquinas. I think it'll happen say. in two thousand years. You think so? Yeah. Um, I'm on. I see. I, can I go with? Uh, I'm going to go with April fifteenth, twenty. No, I don't know. I have no idea. Really. April showers, <laughs> as they say, <laughs> Joe. Do, do, do you remember what yeah. uh, uh, there was a priest on Catholic radio that used to say? Uh, I don't know when the end of the world is going to be, but I, but but your end is going to be yes, soon. Remember exactly, that? Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's. It, I guess the more more focus on the fact that you know probably right. in a few decades I'm going to yeah. be. Shuffling off and okay, how about need, this? need to prepare myself. With only a minute left, can, maybe I can get you to commit to this. Do you believe that when the end comes, when our Lord comes in the second coming in the final judgment, it will be on uh, uh, Good Friday or Easter Sunday? I don't think he'd be that predictable. Really? He's going to come on a Tuesday? Definitely not a Monday. <laughs> on, a, on a Taco Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I, I, Margarita uh, Monday. I'll, like, what is he doing here? I mean, I'll, I think it's going to be Good Friday or Easter Sunday, right? 
uh, you know, it, it, it could be. You know, he seems to be very much into timing, and, mm-hmm. you know, the dates are very important to God, and mm-hmm. interesting things happen on certain dates. So uh, far be it from me to deny that he might do that. So I don't know. <laughs> Amy, can I mention real quickly, the quickly, third article yeah. is, is about the angelic beings and what they are going to have to do or their, their role in the end times. And that's All right. pretty interesting, too. Check out Back to the Father today, 1 p.m. Central, 2 Eastern, on the GRN online YouTube channel or Facebook page. And check out Dave Palmer giving us the lowdown from Thomas Aquinas on the end times. Back to the Father, 1 p.m. Central. God bless you, Dave Palmer. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Jim. Coming up after the break, it's time to play Fear and Trembling and give out prizes. Get your chance right now. Call 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who is Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55 and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now let's see, there were 11 apostles at the time, Jesus' mother makes 12, the women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake, that puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, Scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when Scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot, 877-757-9424. And now, your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anybody. All right. You got to sign the non-disclosure agreement. Make sure you get that email back to Adrian right away. Uh, but there are some things we like to do here on the down low. Number one, we like to teach the faith and we look for teachable moments in the questions where you could possibly learn something you did not know before. And there's at least one thing on the list today, 
at least one thing you're probably going to know, uh, learn new. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle, a good time. And our callers are actually amazing. And we love that most. And then we give out prizes. And today's the day we do that, which means it's a winner for everybody involved. But for those that are new, I shall explain. I do have three Catholic trivia questions sitting before me. The trick is I don't ask the caller the questions, so they don't even need to know the correct answers. They could win without knowing a single one, because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy, I shall ask Adrian. Oh, they'll give us a correct answer, one of them anyway. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will have to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week, or was this week, is Saints of Heart. Thank you so much, Saints of Heart, for being our sponsor this week. The winner is going to win one of their beautiful pieces of jewelry. And these pieces of jewelry feature sacred imagery, such as the three hearts, Sacred Heart, Immaculate Heart of Our, our, our Lady, the Chase Heart of St. Joseph, so she's going to pick it out for you. But take a look at their store at saintsofheart.com. They're a local here to us here in, in uh, Spring, Texas. Uh, check them out if you want to check uh, if you want to get some uh, Catholic gifts for him and her. She features all kinds of different things, and personally, I love their ties. Thanks again, Saints of Heart. <laughs> Praise be to God. Sorry, I thought you were going to finish that off with .com, but SaintsofHeart.com is the website. SaintsofHeart.com. Exactly. Thank you for your generous gift of giving us prizes to give away to our awesome audience. Let's go to the phones. Paula, good morning to you. Hi. Praise be to God, Paula. How are you? Good. Well, Paula, you sound like you're uh, an astute, wise uh, lady. What? Uh, how old are you? What's, what grade are you in right now? I'm in fifth, and I'm 10 years old. Fifth, and you're 10. Wow. wow. Do you already have a job? Are you paying taxes, Paula? No. No? 10. You know that's more than nine. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Wow. Man. Amazing. It's also less than 11. I had my first job when I was 10. I was a paper boy. And I don't recommend it. It was a lot of work. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, what is your favorite subject in school, Paula? Library. Library. <laughs> Very yeah. good. Everybody else chooses science or math. You're like, no, I just want to hang out in the library. Nice and quiet. That's right. Lots of books. Yeah. Good nap places. I mean, reading <laughs> opportunities. Do you like to read, Paula? Yes. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Praise be to God. Nice. Our kids like reading, too. We love it. Uh, all right, Paula, do you understand how this game works? Yes. All right. This is my first time on. D wow, you are a veteran. Oh, did was was Paula like a hustler last time? Did she, like, secretly have all the answers? Yeah. I can't remember. Cleaned house. Now, pa Paula, do you have a, a particular opinion who might be the trickiest here, Rudy or Adrian? Or Joe. What? Sorry, huh? what? what? Pa Paula, do you know who's trickier, Rudy or Adrian? It's different. Uh, mm. Adrian. What? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Mm. All right. Time to play. I'm wounded. Today. I'll never recover. <laughs> we will start with an easy one then uh, for you, Paula. We're going to go to Team Rudy first. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Nice little gig of Maggie's tie hey, this morning. Praise Get, be to God. Gigging it up here. Yes. All right. Uh, Game well, Longhorns. Easiest question. Let's get it started. Get it out of the way today. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me, is the fisherman's ring containing the name of the reigning pope worn by the pope? No. Really? Actually, they don't wear rings anymore. They wear wow. pontifical tiaras. Is that right? Yes. 
But they only do it in private. I see. Only in private. I see. They put it on. I wonder how heavy that thing is. Like, oh, their head's like flopping all over the place because it's so heavy. A couple hundred pounds. Just the weight of the papacy. You the know? gold alone. Just remember. Yeah. All right, so the papal tiara is, is what they do. They don't do rings. That's your right. answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, Adrian, I know that you are big into fashion. Uh, could you tell me, is the fisherman's ring containing the name of the reigning pope worn by the pope? Okay. Well, some some argue that only former popes wear them. Really? But no, in fact, only popes wear the fisherman ring. Only the pope. Mm-hmm. All right. Praise be to God. So only the pope. Yep. Yes. So the no, answer is yes. Not the guy living in the garden in the backyard. I have no idea what you're referring to. Okay. So, all right. Uh, well, Paula, you've got options. The fisherman's ring that has the name of the reigning pope. Is it worn by the pope himself? Adrian says yes. Only the pope wears that ring. Whereas Rudy says they don't wear any rings. They wear a big triple tiara thing. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Paula, what say you? She read about it. See, I told you guys. I told y'all. She's obviously a very beautiful young lady, very intelligent young lady. It's it's very obvious to me. Paula, you told me you thought he was the trickiest, but yet you so confidently proclaimed Adrian right on that one. Wow, but you were right. In fact, he yeah, okay, he was right. It's true. It's true. Only the Pope wears the fisherman's ring. That's true. Unless you're also the former Pope in the backyard. Nonetheless. All right, moving on. All right, so this one, next one, also very easy, Paula. Uh, Very easy. But we will start with Adrian, who is big into the end times. Ooh. He has memorized the uh, book of Revelation, the Apocalypse. Oh, wow. And would definitely... uh, You have the answer, I imagine. Mm. Let's just see. Adrian, can you tell me which number reoccurs in other words it comes up many times Mm -hmm. in the apocalypse yes well as someone who identifies as having a phd in numbers Uh mm uh-huh i can count yeah almost infinitely wow Uh yeah it's pretty impressive i know i know i know i know Mm -hmm. it's a a skill very few people have right but the answer Mm -hmm. is 55 what Mm -hmm. 55 Mm -hmm. comes up a lot in the apocalypse Practically every page. Really? Practically every page. It starts on page 55, too. What? My mind is blown. Okay, well, let's just get a second opinion on this one, Paula. Uh, Rudy, uh, could you tell me which number reoccurs many times in the book of Revelation? Yes, that number is going to be seven. That's a lot less than 55, Rudy. I know it is. So... You're just going to go with seven. Seven. Does seven. it sound like he has a yeah, PhD in yeah. numbers? Okay. Seven. You got the die in your hand. Straight up. Seven. On the nose. Just seven. Yep. All right. Well, Paula, you got options. Uh, which number reoccurs many times in the book of the Rev- book of Revelation? St. John's Vision, the book of Apocalypse. Is it seven, as Rudy says, or is it 55, as Adrian suggests? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Paula, what say you? Rudy. Wow. Oh, so wise. We had to talk about the significance of numbers. Paula, I got to ask you, are you asking a friend over there for these answers? I mean, you seem to know quite a bit. It sounds like she's hustling. Yeah. Like, are you phoning a friend? You're Googling these answers. What's going down there, Paula? Uh, Hopefully you're, you're keeping this game legit, but you are correct. It is seven. Seven is the correct answer. Definitely not 55. All right. Third question. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Paula. This is the hardest question of the day. 
quite uh, quite potentially the hardest question ever asked a human person since Adam and Eve in the garden. It's quite possible. So very tricky. Let's ask it slowly back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? What was the outer garment a bishop used to wear when outside of his place of jurisdiction? Okay, that is known as uh, a manta, mantaletta, mantaletta, kind of like mantaletta. gang wars, right? You have to represent your colors. He's repping. He's repping the colors. He's like, "What's up? It's me. I'm a so, bishop." Like, if you're an Astros fan, you wear exactly. Astros colors. If you're any other kind of fan, well, shame on you. That kind of thing. That's exactly. Got it. And okay. it's known as a mantaletta. Mantaletta. Got it. All right, Adrian. That's me. Could you tell me what was the outer garment that a bishop used to wear when he was outside of his diocese, his mm. place of jurisdiction, when he was away right. from home doing an away right. game? Uh-huh. What would he wear? Yes. Okay. Following when he's at an away game, yeah. he yeah. would wear, mm-hmm. and you can actually go and see pictures Got it. of Folsom Sheen wearing this. What? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mind blown. It's called a cravat. Uh, I'm sorry, what? A cravat. tight. I think I'm it's sorry, French. I'm it? not sure. A, a cravat? Cravat. Not a crevasse. Like no, a not a crevasse. I don't know what a crevasse is. Okay. Uh, well, Paula, I'm sure you've read a book on this in your library, but uh, the question is, what is the name of that outer garment that a bishop would wear when he's not in his home diocese, when he's outside playing an away game? Does he wear a cravat, as Adrian said, or a mantaletta, as Rudy said? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Paula and Garland, what say you? Adrian? No, go the other way. I'm sorry, Paula. Oh, a cravat oh. is any kind of necktie. So an ascot, <laughs> a bow tie, a necktie. Mm-hmm. It's a any kind of thing that wore, it's worn around the neck. Is it called a cravat? Mm-hmm. A right. crevasse is a deep hole in which you fall when you trust, trust Adrian too much. All but, right, uh, a winner this week hold on, has hold on. been drawn. Okay. And yeah, yeah, it's Amanda. Amanda! Amanda, congratulations. congratulations. Paula, I'm sorry, you didn't win. Mantaletta was the correct answer to that last one, but you were a lot of fun and amazing. God bless you, Paula. Have a great day at school. Thank you. God bless you, Paula. We look forward to your fourth occasion on Fear and Trembling in the Future. But uh, God bless you, God love you, and have a great day. That is going to do it for... The radio side of our show. What a great lineup of conversations we've had this week. Make sure to be on our email list where I will send you links to recapping those conversations at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That'll go in your inbox later today. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. If you would like to chat with us directly, hang out for the after show. That's coming up next. God love you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Friday of the 22nd week in Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. All hail adored Trinity, all hail eternal unity, O God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit ever one. Three persons praise we evermore, one only God our hearts adore, in thy sure mercy ever kind. May we our strong protection find. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christ eleison, Christ eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. God of might, giver of every good gift, put into our hearts the love of your name, so that by deepening our sense of reverence, you may nurture in us what is good, and by your watchful care keep safe what you have nurtured. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, thus should one regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, it is, of course, required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. It does not concern me in the least that I be judged by you or any human tribunal. I do not even pass judgment on myself. I am not conscious of anything against me, but I do not thereby stand acquitted. The one who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, do not make any judgment before the appointed time until the Lord comes, for he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will manifest the motives of our hearts. And then everyone will receive praise from God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. 
The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good, that you may dwell in the land and be fed in security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will grant you your heart's requests. Salvation, salvation of the just comes from the Lord. Commit to the Lord your way. Trust in him, and he will act. He will make justice dawn for you like the light. Bright as the noonday shall be your vindication. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. Turn from evil and do good, that you may abide forever. For the Lord loves what is right and forsakes not his faithful ones. Criminals are destroyed and the posterity of the wicked is cut off. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. The salvation of the just is from the Lord. He is their refuge in time of distress. And the Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. I am the light of the world, says the Lord. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, The disciples of John the Baptist fast often and offer prayers. And the disciples of the Pharisees do the same. But yours eat and drink. Jesus answered them, Can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come, and when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. And he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from an, a new cloak to patch an old one. Otherwise he will tear the new, and the piece from it will not match the old cloak. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be ruined. Rather, new wine must be poured into fresh wineskins. And no one who has been drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus speaks about wine and wineskins, something that the people in the Holy Land in the first century were very familiar with, wineskins being made out of leather have been made from the skins of animals, perhaps of goats. And when they were fresh, when they were new wineskins, they would be flexible and so able to receive the new wine because the new wine would ferment within them and release gases so they would have to expand, which if they were new wineskins would work fine. They could, they could flex, they could grow, and thus contain the new wine. Whereas old wineskins had dried out 
and stop being flexible, and so they would simply burst. And so our Lord Jesus thereby speaks and explains some of what's going on. We might say, well, well, good. So it's, it's a very practical, very sort of folksy example that everyone of the time understood. Now we can go on to the next passage. But no, there's more going on here. And St. Luke especially gives us a clue of what's going on here because of the, the other time when he uses some of these words. So it is here he speaks of new wine. There's only one other time that St. Luke uses a word that can be translated new. And that is in the Last Supper, when Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood that will be poured out for you. And there too, there's another connection. St. Luke here in this passage spoke of new wine being spilled. And that verb in Greek is the same verb as the verb that gets translated as poured out or shed in that same verse. So there's a direct connection here. The talk about new wine that might be spilled and our Lord Jesus making the new covenant in his blood that will be poured out for us. Our Lord is making a new covenant in the Last Supper. We can think for a moment about what this means. A covenant is an agreement that makes the two parties to be family with each other. It's much more than a contract. It joins them together for life, makes them family. The old covenant the Lord made with the people of Israel through Moses around 1400 BC. And so in the first century, the people of Israel had been living this covenant for about 1400 years. The Lord, of course, always being faithful, the people of Israel not always faithful. We think about this covenant. It had formed a people. The people, they and their, their relationship with God. He was their God and they were his people. They were a nation. They, in fact, became a kingdom. As part of this covenant, the Lord revealed to them himself and his will, revealed to them things about himself and about the universe and about themselves. And also very important, revealed to them the commandments, revealed to them what was right and wrong, what they needed to do and what they needed to avoid. And also established this relationship, especially through the sacrificial system. It established the temple, the sacrifices, and the priesthood to offer them. And for all the different reasons sacrifices could be offered, including seeking forgiveness for sins, asking for things, giving thanksgiving for blessings received. All of this was part of the old covenant. Our Lord Jesus, in forming the new and eternal covenant, took all of these things and raised them, transformed them, raised them exponentially. It is important to realize what he was doing because there are some who think when he formed the new covenant, he simply took things away, as if he simply eliminated the priesthood or eliminated the law. Not at all. All the elements that were present, he took and raised to a new level. In the new covenant, it would not simply be God and his people, but instead there was a stronger relationship, Christ and his bride, divine adoption as you and I through baptism became sons and daughters of God the Father, so much closer than in the old covenant. We know that the revelation went far deeper as God revealed to us that he is a trinity of persons, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so too, the teaching about the moral law as our Lord went far deeper, not staying just with the commandments on the outside, but going all the way to the heart, intentions, goodness. And so too with the relationship through the sacrifice. 
our Lord Jesus himself, the eternal high priest, offering himself as the one perfect sacrifice and establishing a priesthood to make that sacrifice present again and again to you and me in Holy Mass. And we know that he would give us on the inside a new heart, his law written on our heart, a new spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, living in relationship, as the Virgin Mary teaches us, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All of this our Lord was making, so it is new wine indeed. We heard him speaking about himself as the bridegroom. And we know that St. Paul speaks about how he as bridegroom gave himself over for his bride, the church, which is you and me, to make us spotless, without wrinkle, glorious, the lamb and his bride, the church. We heard St. Paul in the first reading speak about himself as a steward of the mystery of God. So it is with those of us who are Christ's priests. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. We are stewards of his word, stewards especially of his sacraments. We are here to help you, his faithful, to become and to be the fresh wineskins able to receive the new wine of our Lord's new covenant. But of course, it's worth asking, you who are present at this Mass, you who are watching online, you who are listening by radio, how good that you are listening to these words. But what if you're listening to them and you haven't been to confession for a long time and you're carrying mortal sins that you are not confessed? Go to confession so that you may be those fresh wineskins. What if you're listening to these words but you're not attending Mass regularly, not every Sunday? Go to Mass and receive our Lord's own body and blood in Holy Communion. Let yourself not be the old wineskins of old habits that are not ready to flex and to absorb and receive our Lord himself. But be fresh wineskins. Take that step, that step the Lord is inviting you to, so that you may be new, responsive, and flexible, able to receive the glory of the new wine that is our Lord Jesus' new covenant. And now let us stand, and as a priestly people, let us present to God the needs of all people. That all the faithful may receive the good news of the gospel with greater joy each day, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That unity and understanding among nations may increase, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That all the sick and all who live far from their families may find good people to care for them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That throughout this day that we are now beginning, God may grant us wisdom to understand and eloquence in our speech. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. O God, our Savior, we ask that you hear the prayers of your people and receive our petitions with kindness through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, a work of human hands, who become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May this sacred offering, O Lord, confer on us always the blessing of salvation, that what it celebrates in mystery, it may accomplish in power through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. His death we celebrate in love, His resurrection we confess with living faith, and His coming in glory we await with unwavering hope. And so with all the angels and saints we praise you, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncele et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection, 
until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. Only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Let us pray. Renewed by this bread from the heavenly table, we beseech you, Lord, that being the food of charity, it may confirm our hearts and stir us to serve you in our neighbor through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Teresa with the Houston Catholic Women's Conference. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. 